0: Welcome back to Desert Island Dictator. This week, my guest is the journalist William Kajani. This was a really fascinating chat. We actually spoke quite a lot about the issues of right now, specifically around the coronavirus. We also kind of changed the rules a little bit. Um, We initially started off on a desert island, uh, but then at William's request, we invaded the United Kingdom and fixed everything that is wrong with this place, Uh, which is, as I understand it, considerable. This is the first of a number of episodes which feature less people that I know in comedy and more people that I've been able to acquire for the podcast from the worlds of journalism, uh, but also science and academia. Uh, We have a comedian next week, uh, but we're going to try and space those out between genuinely really interesting people. Uh, This is a brilliant chat. Now, just to remind you all, uh, you can follow us on Twitter on d underscore i underscore d underscore pod. Um, you can also follow me on at jacobinthehats and you know if you enjoyed the episode please do like it please do write a little review on itunes all those things really do help um without further ado though william kajan (laughs) Welcome back to Desert Island Dictator. My guest this week is William Kajani. He is the political analyst for Star Sports. Um, I also know him from the website Twitter, where he has a he has the world's greatest thread, known only to me as Brain Worms. Um, and I know him mostly from his takes on politics um, within the UK. Uh, but we're going to send him to a desert island this time. Uh, William, how are you? <laughs>
1: I am virus-free, and you know what? We can substitute that for well. But pretty
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, too, I, too, am virus-free. Great job. Great job on being virus-free. Um, have you been virus-free for this whole thing, or
1: have you... I've been lucky enough to be virus-free for this whole thing. So, um, yeah, ble- I've been blessed on that part. Great,
0: great. You may, you may still have, you know had it unbeknownst to you and passed the plague to others but you know I don't want to put that on you you know right at the start let's not let's not make
1: (laughs) it entirely possible to be fair entirely possible
0: it is entirely possible um I have a question for you before before the before the kind of the meat of the episode kicks off I have a question about your job and I think it's probably most people's questions which is how do you get into that (laughs)
1: I get asked this so, so often and I love answering the question. Um, Basically, I am a simple man with lots of various passions, but the things I'm actually good at or the things I'd like to think I'm good at are basically, well, first of all, politics and policy. Um, Mm -hmm. Second of all, um, analysing stuff and... Third of all, um, to some various degrees, sport and uh, and writing. And they all sort of came together um, to allow me to get into this. I mean, I wasn't a great student, and about the only things that really I could do um, pretty much were write and read, which I've just put the wrong way round, so definitely- <laughs> <laughs> an average indicator of my intelligence, but um, I liked journalism. I liked writing. Um, I was a bit of a news junkie from an early age, and it just went from there. I mean, I was very, I was very lucky that um, Star Sports actually sort of gave me freelance work, um, and then it went to full time. So, wow! Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, we don't all we don't all get we don't we don't all line up. You might yeah, you might say that you've only got certain skills, but uh, y- we don't all get those certain skills line up, and then just immediately domino into the perfect role designed for us. So that's the
1: yeah, indeed yeah. Um, I am I'm far too blessed and um, not cursed enough for such a cursed person, but um, I'm sure that this episode will um, <laughs> give us plenty of chances to rectify that. <laughs>
0: I think no you know what the thing is is it a blessing to be so heavily invested in politics because I I think that is ignorance is is like I think about the things that I know about that like most people don't are just just blissfully unaware of like like today I mean it's it's not politics but it's politics adjacent which is today's culture war clash uh, between the sopranos and sex in the city and just to unravel why that's strange and the characters behind it um, and the, the, behind the post takes so much there's so much not like cursed knowledge within that that like like if I just say David Bedeal to like a normal person, they they just go oh he's that guy from the the comedian from the night but but to me there's so much deep cursed online knowledge about that that i know that i I just i I feel that ignorance is is just bliss
1: (laughs) yeah um i mean do not get me wrong i have definitely gone to that stage of the pandemic where i am sort of looking at animals and various children (laughs) as a go just wondering Gosh, wouldn't it be nice only to care about what's on Nickelodeon that evening? Or, or just to want to eat and run around in some dirt or whatever. Um, so I, I totally get that. And to be fair, actually, ignorance to a certain point is bliss. Um, I've been generally better um, mentally for rationing myself when it comes to specifically coronavirus news. Um, yes. This yeah. is the way... By the way, I just want to say this is nothing against the quality of the coronavirus um, coverage that we're getting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the likes of especially Fergus Walsh on the BBC. And, and actually, sorry, I need to give a shout out to Deborah Cohen on Newsnight, um, who has been just consistently brilliant for this whole crisis, especially in um, showing us the real problems. Um, of why, say, for instance, this lockdown might not be working as we'd hoped by now. Mm. But at the same time, you know, in the immediate peak of the first wave, I, I think it was about three, four weeks into it, I did just switch off the news a lot. Because a lot of it was just basically, here's the six o'clock news. X, there are X cases. Eight people have died today. Here's a report inside the hospital which is horrifying, unless, of course, you don't have a soul. Um, And breaking away from that, I think, has been helpful. Because everybody, I mean, okay, aside from a certain few, the vast majority of whom are warped contrarians, um, Mm. men (laughs) who are simply exploiting um, this this disinformation. we all know how serious this is by now. Yes. And that's nothing again against health journalists who are covering this story and doing so by and large really, really well. Um, it's just that I don't need to burden myself each day with those images. <laughs> I, I have parents who work for the NHS. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I know. Sorry, thank you. Thank you. Give them a little <laughs> give them a little clap. Uh, I can't uh, pay thank them you. so, you know. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, basically, um, I do take time out, but it's from coronavirus stuff. I will not find watch coronavirus packages or listen to that. Um, Or even actually, aside from daily case updates or whatever, um, you know, actually go and really seek the data. The data Hmm. I'm most interested in is stuff like mobility, mobility. cause of infection or that was what i was interested in um during the previous couple of months um and all that stuff but would i get involved in sort of the day-to-day really grim stuff no i won't um again health Mm. justice doing a major job but i don't necessarily see the point of me doing that yes um, each night you know and there's no and there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with the way with um not wanting to watch that whatever,
0: yeah, fair enough. So the thing is, obviously, this is all great, but you've actually been doing none of any of these things because three years ago you were marooned on a desert island. Now, fast mm-hmm. forward three years, and you now rule the islands with an iron fist. Um, what uh, what would your title be? What, what what would your lordship, leadship, kingship title be? What do you think you'd be?
1: I'd want an official sort of head of state position. I I am not one for sort of supreme ruler or king shit or whatever. I, I don't want to do the idiomatic thing of, of you know his highness, his excellency or, <laughs> or, or whatever the, the fuck it is. Um to be honest with you, I'd like a I'd like a very hybrid title. Um I'd like to be sort of a civil servant title, just one of those people who has huge amounts of autonomous power. Um, like, ca- like essentially, a cabinet secretary who essentially runs the country, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, so my title would be... Uh, William Kajani... First Minister, I like... <laughs> I, I, I like first minister. It's just the hierarchy. It's just the ranking, um, but it does so without being too grandiose about it. Because because this isn't a very royal situation, right? If I'm leading an island, um, no,
0: right? It's more. Uh, it's not It's like well, that. One of those, like you know, those like crown dependencies that are still like legally yep. still feudal. Uh, and, mm-hmm. but no one, no one really cares or is interested. So they're just like ah, Well, yeah. you know, you're still the subject of this lord But uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, the first minister, uh, first, first minister. Uh, since coming to the island, now it is, it is the pandemic. Most of my castaways have ignored the pandemic completely, and fair play to them. But you have, you've dealt, managed to deal with it pretty well and the economic fallout of it pretty well. Um, because as I understand it, your policy for uh, free school meals is pretty different to what the government is currently is currently offering in the UK.
1: Yes, absolutely it is. So first things first, um, there is a flat line for free school meals um, in the sense that people are directly paid either through bank account transfers, um, which we also include for e wallets So Mm -hmm. if you want, uh, so basically if you qualify um, for this or even if actually you have an emergency, you can submit something like your latest bank statement or whatever um, with the the pressure on your finances, the computer says yes, as you can automate it to do so because you know it's my island and you get given you can give them like 50 pounds or so, uh, not for a week, let's say, because it's mine and I can have all the money I want. Let's give it, actually, no, fuck it. Let's do it 100 quid for every four days. And yeah. we do and we did this, by the way, the reason we do this is because we presume, we presume that on this small island, um, people have families have gone nuclear, as in nuclear family units. So, that's about, I think, 25, that um, no, 50 quid per child, two kids, two parents, right? Um, and by the way, if you want to go, we'll have um, special places, sort of like um, Universal Credit Center or whatever, but we'll make it that you have cash you can access. So if you need to go, um, you can go in there and you can pick it up or you can just get it delivered to your PayPal or your wallet or whatever
0: um good to hear that you get it well let's be i'll be taking my money
1: in bitcoin uh (laughs) yeah literally if you want it in bitcoin you can have it in bitcoin because you know why not it's my island right Um, (laughs) why not (laughs) and the reason by the way that we do this is just very simple um if you are a parent you know how to feed your child um the state should assume that you know how to feed your child and also um if you give people direct cash, etc., um, they can get much more out of it than you ever could. Um, I would assume, or I would actually say even via vouchers, right? Mm. Um, it just just in the sense that people are often going on about oh, but the, they could spend vouchers on X or Y. Well, you've seen the pictures on social media already. I would frankly much rather. Not that I believe parents would or whatever, mm. I frankly much rather take the chance um, that people could spend money on next one. I mean, you look at the Chartwell situation we have.
0: Right, so for Those- the listeners listening in, sorry to interrupt, but for the listeners listening in, um, at- especially the listeners who are huge fans in the future and are coming back to listen to back episodes. This is uh, <laughs> who I assume are definitely doing that. Um, this is in particular this week, uh, a, it, uh, there's a scandal over the government's free school meals. Um, the people who are on free school meals have um, in, quite, in quite a lot of cases have found that, uh, while schools are closed, the provision of meals has been contracted out to uh, private, to uh, outsourcing companies like uh, Compass Group. And the meals that they're providing, which is, as I understand it, are supposed to be worth, like th- I think it's supposed to be about £30 of food. I think that's my understanding of how it, much. It costs
1: it's just... tax pay £30 for every single package given. Right, OK, literally. right.
0: Um, but the food is like, it's like a, a couple of, sli- uh, like a bit of white bread, like what a single pepper some I, th- I saw one where they'd actually like carved a tomato and i was like what <laughs> uh, and yeah. then like one packet of crisps and like a couple of bananas and some plain pasta and that's supposed to do them for like the whole week for all of their lunches um, and I'll stick a I'll stick an image of a few up with the episode description so people can really get a sense of just how bad it is. But these are people whose families have, you know, they, there's a good reason they're on this at the moment. Their their families have. I, I say at the moment. I don't want to get into kind of poor and undeserving poor arguments. Any of that. Like, but the point is that this is a specific, a particularly bad specific circumstance where people who have lost their livelihoods and everything to the two to what's happened in the last year or so uh, who are really struggling to feed their kids are uh, just been given this like risible amount of food which frankly had they just given them cash you could easily have made something way way so much better anyway
1: yeah
0: that was just a uh, yeah <laughs> background info for anyone who's uh, who either can't remember or hasn't been tuned in yet to this
1: no, I think you summed it up perfectly. And the the really, really frustrating thing about it is, and this is aside from the obvious morals of it, which are just horrendous, is that um, everybody's getting ripped off. Um, the children are just not getting anywhere near enough food um, for an entire week. Um, I doubt you'd be able to make that last... Even a day, unless you're skilled at cooking. And many parents who have to juggle jobs and kids and stuff won't be for understandable reasons. Um, you I mean, presumably there's a third party getting from it. Chartwell are the ones who have been at the center of this. Um, I don't know where they're buying from, but there's a 30 quid spend to get maybe five six quid um, worth of food or Mm. whatever.
0: I imagine um, that the, I imagine, so I think the five pounds food has been taken from people estimating what they would, how much the food in the the image of the boxes would cost them. I imagine the spend for for them is considerably lower. They might, they will have got it either from like catering companies or from like, but they have access to the kind of bulk buying. So, yeah. They presume, yeah, it presumably um, will cost them like a pound or less to get all that food, um, and yeah. the rest is all going on, you know, whatever other costs they have. But it's it's just, it's so clearly in, it's such a clearly crazy and inefficient way of doing it.
1: Um, yeah. Um. Just also this. Also, um, I mean, even if you were dead set on it being a private enterprise. Mm. there's a better argument for just giving supermarkets the money um, than having them decide what 30 of worth, worth food is than having um, parents pick up boxes or whatever mm. Wh- which is something supermarkets have done Morrisons have done this, they have food bank boxes Shout they out to Morrisons far- Yep, shout out to Morrisons um, but I think in all seriousness the the easiest way and by far the most difficult efficient way um is just simply to let people have the money and spend on themselves and also that's the most equal way because many parents will have autistic children um, children with special needs um etc who will refuse to eat um various foods and those parents will know what their children want um, also, if you can't cook, but you have a microwave, um, convenience meals too. Yes. Um, which right, is yeah. very important. This all needs to be cooked from scratch. Um, I imagine most parents in that um, in that sort of borderline range of poverty or, or severe poverty, I should say, sorry, um, won't have the time to cook. They'd probably mm. be working jobs. Um, I just don't understand why you put people through such needless pain um, for this reason. So, no, on the island you get a much more generous food now so you can get it in cash and go spend it on what you know your child needs.
0: I think this is, this is one of those policies where it, the, the way that Britain has done it has actually, every now and again, governments governments get away with the sort of like just utterly cynical cruelty all the time. Mm. And every now and again, every now and again, something they do which is just so like insanely poorly thought out and just so, so like at base level, so desperately unimaginative and callous at the same time uh, that people, it actually does cut through. Um, and I, I really think that this one might well be one of those that It's kind of, it helps that it's kind of spun off the um, Marcus Rashford's campaign, which cut through itself uh, earlier in the. Uh, Gosh, it's not even a I, I don't know what time is anymore. It's all <laughs> it's all it's all just become its own much. And I, I hope that I hope that it does cut through. Uh, but I, I, I do hope that people don't just kind of memory hole why it happened and just be like, oh well, they'll probably run our other services. It, it bear in mind they run nearly all of our other services in exactly the same way, which is find oh. some some like group like compass and just be like yeah, you do that. <laughs> um, but you know, so for your islands, it's the it's the it's the the classic welfare way. Just giving the money. Yeah. Just, just giving the money. Just 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 make it rain. The thing is, just it, I, th- I one of the things that I've always I don't know if you agree with me on this. One of the things I've always kind of you know when people say, "Oh well, you know, like, right?" If you give them money, though, they're just going to have cigarettes and then feed the cigarettes to their children, and then their children will want cigarettes too, and they love cigarettes, and their children be watching that wide screen. I'm saying, like, you know what, like, so what? Like, I, I really mean this. Like, I, I, it is obviously bad, and they, you know, a parent who who does not, uh, a parent who does not feed their child so that they can smoke is an abusive parent. But at the same time. There's always going to, like, you don't need to design a system so arcane in its cruelty, just because, like, a, a few people are just, like, awful parents. Like, I don't... yeah. It, I think it's such a... Compared to the... I don't think most people will use it in that way. And it seems like you're, kind of, making a system that's more expensive and worse on the basis that you think that, are like, some people are shitty. And it's like, well, some people are, but you might as well just make it cheaper and like better for people I I don't know just seems more
1: yeah I'd just like to um get a point on this here um and it comes by the way it's not my it's not my thinking even though I agree with it but it comes from Sam Friedman who used to work at the department of education and it's a brilliant point um, which is basically that we end up with nonsense like the food boxes because, and he went back um, to, to some Mori data, and he found out that um, people think benefits fraud is 34 times more common than it actually is. And, and that just mm. sums um, that just sums everything up in one. People think um, benefit fraud happens a lot more than it actually does. If they're, I mean it's minimal if there really is any. And if you are, again, people always justify this with a sort of um, public benefit, benefit benefits of public purse, you know, our taxpayer dollars, well, or or pounds or whatever. Well, your taxpayer pounds are far better served, um, frankly, by giving people the money and trusting them than they ever were with things like this. And that's just a demonstrable fact. So there we go, I guess. But no, I mean, can I just say also one thing? Yes. (laughs) That's just my free schools policy. On my island, we're not going to let people get into a situation where they need free school meals or whatever. Right, Um, yeah. (laughs) I'd I'd, I'd just like to emphasise the fact that um, I'd hope you eat for free on my island. It's presumably a pretty small island. You'd be disappointed if you couldn't implement massive welfare policies on a big scale but yeah that's my physical meals policy it's
0: largely large it's like but bo- it's boxes of food but it's largely mango and coconut and fresh and like tropical fish based which is very healthy and most people you know it's pretty much pretty optimum diet for everyone i, I imagine that's the you know
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: i um <sighs> God, I miss, God, I miss eating in restaurants. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so, oh my gosh, yeah.
0: The second I, the second I started talking about that, I immediately just remembered, like, an incredible seafood restaurant I went to just before the, before lockdown in Paris, and I'm, I'm now, now, now I'm just quite sad. Uh, but, you know, like, so, so let's... Uh, life goes on. Life, life goes, goes on. life goes on. Life goes on. You've also talked, uh, you've also talked quite, in your, in your... um. In your position as a as a diplomat and as a leader of a free people, you've talked quite passionately uh, about the United Kingdom's lack of support for self-isolating and how you would do things differently.
1: Correct. Um, now, I don't know if this is a sort of thing that... Would be for my island or for the UK, but let's just assume it applies to both. Um, the island I should have taken over really should have been the fucking prison island. I mean, can, I, can <laughs> we do? This? Can, can, can we do this as in I take over the UK, or do does it have to be the desert island?
0: You can take the UK. You can take the UK. You can go. You can go to your desert island. You can. You can come back and you can invade the United Kingdom. Win in a bloodless or bloody coup, depending on however which you. Where and now you run normal Rain Islands.
1: Uh, okay, fine. So I'm I'm now running Prison Turf Island. And, Prison Turf um, Island, United Kingdom. Prison uh, Turf Clay Island, to give it its full title. Um, so here's what we're doing. <laughs> Okay, so first things first, we have a we have a work balance problem in the sense that um, everybody who can stay at home, we have to assume is reasonably doing so now, right? And yeah. people will go on about um, people going out and meeting in the park for takeaway coffees or, or Boris's fucking bike ride, whatever. It, it, that shit just doesn't matter. Um, it, it's just infinitesimally small in the sense of, you know, the actual spread of the virus. Um, The biggest issue we have is that there appears to be an expansion of critical or key worker jobs, and there's an expansion of children going to school. Mm. Uh, We need to do two things to solve this. Um, and I'm going to have to switch points two and three around because I've already started sort of on point three, so I'll just go with it. So, um, which yeah. is main, which is mainly that we need to implement some sort of um, coronavirus compensation payment, and we need to make it wide ranging. It should be um, on two, It should be available on two levels. Number one. Um, if you are a business, the state should be giving you money to close. Um, you could do this actually by simply taking the accounts and saying, "We will pay you your, let's say, your turnover for the last year, and we'll put sort of ten percent on top of it." Um, we do this for the way, mm. not. Indefinitely, but we do this presumably let's say through the end of 2021. Yeah. Because we're vaccinating people. And we would expect to in this year reach point, presumably, where we've vaccinated so many people that we have cut the risk of of hospitalization or death, or whatever. And we've cut the, the threatening part of outbreaks. Because our basic coronavirus are bad, but they're worse because they end up in chains, they end up with vulnerable people. Mm. Um, So what we would do is we'd pay pay businesses to stay closed. Yes. We'd pay people properly to self-isolate. We don't means test on the island as it is now. We don't means test this. Mm. Um, It's the average wage. You get it, and you get it for two and a half weeks let's say or or, as you know 20 days you get paid 20 days to self-isolate that would take into account not only the average incubation in which people are infectious Mm -hmm. but it would give you four or five days either side so that you don't accidentally go out um and still be infectious and pass it on to people whatever um yeah now this is it now A lot of people will say this is expensive. Yeah, damn right it's expensive, but it's balanced out versus, first of all, reducing the pressure on the NHS, obviously. Um, Secondly, it's balanced out on reducing case measures. And thirdly, it's balanced out on the fact that if you want to have an economic recovery, all those businesses are just ready to go when you can reopen. So doing this keeps every business going and in, as such, you have more power for the economic restart. So essentially, we are burning through the fuel, but we're keeping the car topped up so we can leave the garage or whatever.
0: I think that um, I think that a lot of people's fears about this have come from, and like, I'll be honest, I blame, I entirely blame, uh, uh, like I, I don't entirely blame George Osborne, actually. I d- blame the fundamentally incurious, uh, critically acceptable, the people who just uncritically accepted his line. About this since the year like 2009, but I honestly think that most people's understanding of this is that government spending is kind of like your bank, like you, you, like me getting paid my money and then just like just just blowing it all. And I really think that a lot of people think about it that way. And I don't think that they they match up. They 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 entirely grasp that state expenditure kind of does need like state expenditure to some extent especially in a in a a major recession and during the recovery does fundamentally is also its income that it needs to it needs to spend whilst other people aren't that aren't able to and whilst other people aren't able to get their businesses afloat um I just don't, I just don't really see what the alternative is unless you just, just let everything go to the wall and then sort of sit around and let our carcasses be picked off by economies that haven't done that. It just seems like a, such an odd, but I, I I kind of sort of I'm digressing a bit from your point there. Just with my own, just you had you, you had your point, and I just sort of thought oh, I'll just do some ranting. That's the <laughs> no,
1: but I, I like it, but... and you're right, um, and you're absolutely right, but. My main point is, I think we've become, due to the effects of financial crash, we've become a bit scared of spending on stuff when actually um, the issue here is basically... It's not actually really, I don't think, public spending. A lot of people say, oh, well, too much public spending, whatever. The the issue here is to spend stuff... um, which will give you a net benefit and a net return. Mm. We are losing um, and we have lost money due to stuff like social deprivation or whatever, because we've had a net um, knock-on effect because we've had things like outbreaks um, in places where people can't self-isolate, which have had a knock-on effect on the economy. We've got lots and lots of cases primarily driven by outbreaks um, at places like the sweatshops in Leicester earlier on. um, A city, by the way, that hasn't even come out of lockdown since then. Um, And we've had lots of outbreaks, for instance, say in schools, which will definitely have taken our parents from working or whatever. Mm. And we've had um, a general spread of the virus because we've been in a halfway house between a very hard set of lockdown measures and a desire to sort of reopen um Mm. and because we keep getting stuck in that halfway house we sort we get the worst of all worlds and and people can go on about the economy or whatever that hurts the economy more um i accept the point that britain is a nation which has in area in certain areas very densely populated um cities and Mm. even towns again self-inflicted problem by the way we're suffering because of the housing crisis massively during the pandemic. Um, you will notice that other countries, which have um, far more homes available per person, etc., are generally doing much better. There's just no coincidence in that. Um, but to come back off the tangents, the policy I'd implement here would basically aim to pay itself back mm. because. When eventually you could reopen stuff, even if you do it gradually, or even if you try to do it all at once, you would have people who are fitter and healthier and less mentally stressed to go and work as productively as they can. Um, mm. And that's not the case at the moment. So policy two is pay people to self-isolate for twenty days at the living wage and pay businesses their turnover and 10% to stay closed. Yeah. So, no, so nobody's got to go in, nobody's got to go in apart from the very essentials. Um, and I would limit that honestly to supermarkets and, and pharmacies um, such as boots or whatever. Uh, regarding schools of the way, um, I would hope this would reduce key work numbers enough that you would only need to have 10 to 15%, but, if you even did that, then you'd have space for sort of exemptions or whatever of vulnerable children.
0: Yeah. I think um, I, it's mad that we just kept schools open. <laughs> it's just... I, I don't, like... I keep thinking about this, and I just... It, it, it blows my mind. And so much of it, I think, comes from, like... It just... It, it absolutely blows my mind that we did, like... is a virus spread by aerosol transmission, which means that if you... Like me and my friends could just like fucking hang out in the park, having a pic. well, maybe not picnics so or picking each other's food, but we could just be hanging out in the park, relative distance from each other, having a great time. Like half of them could have the virus. and my chances of getting it are pretty negligible. that mm. and and yet, like for the last week, we've spent we've had the same debate as we had first time around, like of just like, cup spoon like don't you have a coffee mate just just uh just just keep on walking and you're like well (laughs) and uh, but the thing is and but and like uh, uh, honestly people who i really think are think they're thinking the right thing about this are just like well you know what it is a pandemic you know just you just you gotta think like i would never leave my house it's just like well but and yet for so long we kept the schools open i think it's such the wrong i think the, the problem is if we actually did just go oh, you know what it's spread by aerosol transmission so all of our insanity about keeping the schools open really was complete insanity then they would people would be looking back going hang on what
1: yeah completely agree um there was a great article i believe it was by sam bowman that's um a great take from sam bowman that's uh, that's quite something yes <laughs> I, I will say I will say yes for him. I will say yes for him. Um, it's hard to think of many people who aren't scientists who have been just more consistently right on COVID. Um, as in, he's had a very compassionate but also economically based approach, and I like. Um, but like, sorry, it's not Sam Bowman who wrote the article. It's John Ashmore um, who John wrote Ashmore. the article. Okay now it, now it's on it's on capex and i don't agree with site's general economic perspective um i'm not a heavy deregulationist um by the way capex please don't hate me or sue me if i misunderstood your site whatever if you listening to this um but one thing that they have done is they have looked at everything from a very equal footing of public health driving the economy which is how countries with good economies mostly um, seem to do it. So, and this is really interesting because it just says stop the Scotch egging and focus on the big picture. And Three points are, focusing on minor infractions makes avoiding important questions much easier. Who honestly cares how far Boris Johnson rode his bike on the weekend? And emphasizing trivial incidents has a number of long trivial with Dallas. I just couldn't agree more. Um, we focus far too much on stuff like, can people sit on park benches? They should absolutely be able to, if they can occupy one their own, by the way, they should be able to do whatever the fuck they want on the park bench. Um, and not on stuff like can we make it possible to reduce the amount of businesses that operate to take key teams out of um, contact with each other? Mm. Because you know, we, we don't focus on stuff we close in business or whatever. We don't ask the questions like, could we shut down construction? By the way, I'm not mm. just saying shut down construction, I'm just giving an example of a business we've considered essential um, what can we do to restrict on that? Because at the moment, people using public transport or whatever, we have to assume are people who can't afford cars who are going to work. That's got that's got to be. Um, let's be honest about this. At least seventy five percent of those Tube journeys in London, etc. Yeah. If you really want to make lockdowns more effective, you're not going to get there by making mandating everybody to spend only an hour outside which by the way um, is a number of it's one of a number of suggestions which people have made well which we've seen briefed which don't appear particularly enforceable like we've got I think it's I think we've got I get two numbers in my head for the of police officers we have in this country um, and you know I'm just going to shamelessly search it up right now It's all right.
0: We'll edit it, or I'll leave it in. Who knows? We'll see.
1: We'll see. How smart do I want you to look? That's the... uh... (laughs) Okay, right. So there are 129,110 police officers in this country. The population of England, including everybody, is about 55 million, but we know, like, comfortably, I think it's about 35 million adults Mm. or whatever. It's not enforceable to police the amount of time people spend outside. Not really. Um, mm. Can you put people up in what you consider hotspots? Sure, yeah. Um, but how do you know how long they've been out for? And how do you prove it? This is not something you can take to a convention or whatever. Um, and can you give fixed penalty notices? Yeah, fine, great. But um, fixed penalty notices are only good to the people you're giving them to can pay them. Number one, that's going to be an issue. I think a lot of people getting fixed penalty notices who can't really pay them. Um, That's a hot take of mine. Mm. Um, But that aside, you have police who, A, need to stop normal crime as it is, right? Um, It's reduced, but it doesn't go away. And B, they have to act essentially as public safety health guards. Mm. It's an incredibly difficult job. And we have to consider whether it's really worth their time Going to people on the park bench and saying, "Can you move along?" So asking how long have you been out for. Um, people who go to exercise anyway are just at, like you said, negligible risk of spreading the virus. If you really want to, if you if you were really that worried about people in parks whatever doing it, you'd mandate masks outside, and you mm. would, and you would instantly in a one fell swoop prevent a lot of the asymptomatic transmission there, assuming people knew how to wear their masks properly, which you would hope enough people in this country did to make a difference. Um, we focused too much on that. We focused too much on, um, there was a rumor about support bubbles and stuff could be taken away, um, mm. which, which I think was just madness because let's say in the unfortunate event, somebody gives um, the virus to somebody in their support bubble or whatever. Um, the two of them presumably can just self-isolate anyway. Yes. Places aren't open for these people to go to and congregate and they're not going to be um, uh, touching stuff, whatever, assuming they follow self-isolation. And again, on the Kijani prison plague turf island, they'd be paid properly to self-isolate. They wouldn't be a problem. Um, So I think, long story short, um, we are just Focusing far too much on the small stuff. And can I just have one quick rant before we go on to the other point? You may, you may start ranting. Thank you. Um I I don't care about how far Boris Johnson rode his fucking bicycle. I'm sorry I don't. I don't <laughs> like him. I don't think he's a good prime minister, but let's just be very clear here. I don't give a fuck about that. Um cycling seven miles anyway is fine because when you cycle um do you breathe a lot sure but you basically you sort of pass through the issue really with coronavirus is sustained contact in the presence of another human being generally speaking for 15 minutes or upwards unless it's direct contact
0: yeah so on that basis he could pretty much see any one of his kids that he acknowledges and he'll be out before any out before he actually manages to pass on the virus anyway so that's you know exactly he's perfect yeah
1: yeah let let him take all the fucking bike rides he wants and we will again we're worrying too much about are people out or too much or whatever um I don't care if people are out. You can be out for six or seven hours um, and as long as you wear a mask and you keep your distance from others, you've just got a negligible risk of, ca- risk of catching or spreading the virus. So, um, no, I don't care about how far Johnson um, went on this fucking bike. I don't like him. Um, um want him to be Prime Minister but that situation we're in um, but I don't think it should be a media story um, and and people will say well oh those women were fined for going five miles on a walk yeah that should never have happened anyway um, for some reason Derby police have a talk fetish where they seem, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. They, they seem to want to impose very cruel and unusual punishments on other people um, long story short that just that shit doesn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It doesn't matter if you go for a little miles away. Um, particularly as they went in their cars; they're not on buses or whatever. Um, just grow up and focus on the real shit. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go.
0: When uh, when William runs, rainy turf island. Grow up and focus on the real shit. Uh is going to be by the way uh for the rainy turfs what that means is do not try and get people arrested by saying mean things online that's the that's my, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, my that's my thoughts about that um now uh, i think you have one more policy don't you
1: i do um this is basically the hotel doctrine um so one Sick. issue we've had have- <laughs> yeah one issue we've had um through the pandemic is basically people who catch the virus who work in some of these densely populated areas um and they live with multiple people it was key i think in leicester and blackburn and in several of the london boroughs where you had crazy outbreaks over christmas like yeah. like one in 14 people had the virus now i i work in betting um could just for a second try to imagine the madness of being a 14 to one shot to catch coronavirus despite the fact that there are 55 or so million people in england it's absolutely insane yeah. um a big issue um somebody catches the virus they go back um or, or actually a big issue actually is that they catch the virus they they get symptoms or whatever they can't afford to self-isolate and they also lived in built up, developed housing. Very easy to pass it on to other members of your family who you are also working, there are plenty of multi-working houses in the UK, more in more deprived areas than not. And suddenly you have um, three or four mini spreading events on your hands, right? Where the kids keep going to school because they need mm. it for the meals. and um, The partner has to go because that's the only way they can work and lord knows we don't pay people enough sick pay anyway so what do you do um if you don't have a fever or a temperature but you're coughing or whatever or you've got a dicky tummy you go right you yeah because go you've got you to work you've got to eat um this is a continuation of policy a um or, sorry policy two but let's mash these two together so we're paying people to self-isolate we're doing it properly and by the way, um, that fee that you get paid is a flat fee. So if you are earning less than a national minimum wage, well, good news you're getting a raise to stay at home. What we're going to do is we're going to go to the hotel industry. We're going to offer them um, their lost turnover. And we're going to say, we're questioning we're request- or we're commandeering, sorry, these hotels Mm. We need them for people to self-isolate in properly and bubble up in. Can you get some essential staff to do that for us? Of course they'll say yes, and of course the essential staff will say yes. Um, by the way, this isn't particularly nice, but you divide the hotel into right. yes. essential staff from living quarters, and then you say people who have um, the virus or people who need to self-isolate or whatever, who live in... Um, shares or rented accommodation go to your local holiday and or whatever we'll give you meals or whatever um, you can order stuff, there'll be like a porter so if you need to order or deliver a McDonald's or whatever you can do that we'll get your post for you um, if you can switch your address in time and, and they just stay there you do two weeks in the hotel you have space, you hopefully you don't pass it on and at least in some way, you can break some community change of transmission because you're paying people to stay at home or whatever, and you're also paying to stay away from other people. And at the very least, you can sort of get a hold on community spread. Also, and this just, uh, I think is, should just be mandatory. Um, if anybody needs to come for any reason, um, fine. You have your negative test. <sighs> we prefer pcr but let's say we accept natural flow there are there are lots of hotels near airport hubs in the country we lay on Mm. buses we've had bus companies we put plastic screens between them and the driver you go you put into this hotel um and you stay there until your pcr test comes back or something or we can test you and we can make sure you're negative Right. Easier way to get on top of the new strain, um, rather than presumably the fucking millions of pounds you're going to spend on testing anyway, which you probably need for schools, the community, or whatever. Um, I mean, I might be talking complete, but I've, <laughs> exactly. I've enjoyed talking complete, shit by the way. but but I should just say, I should just say, this is a, this is the technique they've had in Australia, and New Zealand and Taiwan, and it's worked. They used hotels effectively. Oh, and by the way, when we go cap in hand to the government, uh, sorry, to the hotels, we also tell them, we're commandeering your hotels and we're paying you to take in homeless people, which we did during the first wave. We prevented a shit ton of infections. um, And there's a Lancet paper, by the way, that proves this. And we're not doing for some reason now, despite the fact there are two variants in this country, yeah. both which, of which are easily more transmissible, and, of course, the temperatures are worse. Uh,
0: yeah, I am just, just, just going to, to step, step back from the microphone here. In
1: fucking <laughs> January!
0: It's fucking January! You paid for them to have, to have places to stay in fucking March and April and May when it was warm. In fucking January, it is so cold! It is so cold, they are not going, they're going to be, like, I just sort of conjured a weird image in my head of people huddling together like penguins, but they're not, they're going to poorly accommodated shelters and they're cramming in because they got nowhere to fucking go.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too grim, but I think it has to be said because I think anybody listening to this knows it. Um, This decision has probably already killed people in the sense that if you had called it up earlier, there'd be people presumably who would be um, contacted by outreach teams who'd be getting in there. Now, not everybody who gets into a hotel room will stay there because someone will have to requisite support or whatever, which is a terrible tragedy and something that shouldn't happen. But if you don't have it at all, you do two things. First of all, you risk spreading the host community Yes. Which leads to more ambulance call outs. Um, and secondly, you also risk a bigger health, um, a, a bigger outbreak amongst charity workers or whatever, because yeah. soup kitchens and stuff they stay open, people go, uh, one guy touches a utensil, whatever, or drops on the ground or something, and then suddenly you have. Um, a, a bad situation on your hands so I think basically the government ought to use hotels a lot better, mm. tons of them are like empty why aren't we paying them to self-isolate people and why aren't we paying them again to take homeless people and just one thing actually which I want to say and i a clip, um at the end of this but yeah. this costs a lot of money, yeah sure but here's the thing we are within touching distance of inoculating basically the most vulnerable people from this virus. In fact, some of them within, by the time this comes out, some of them already will have actually. Mm. They'll have had um, a second dose before we change the rules around. There is just no reason, morally or economically, I don't really care which route you take, not to chuck every single penny at just insulating people from the effects of coronavirus. So yes. like every pound you chuck at this, you should expect to make back in spades when you can get back to something like a normal economy, which you can do much, much faster if less people get sick and less people die and there are less outbreaks. So if, you listen, if you've listened to this, um, and God bless you, honestly, if you have, my fundamental fiscal argument for this is basically we're spending money to make money, we're spending it now to batten down the effects so that when people come back to going, um, to having the confidence to whatever to shop, whatever they have more money in their pockets, but they have more confidence that they don't um, go out and get sick, and also you have more people who are healthier and fitter, and as such, you have a more productive country. Mm. That's it. Happy and health. The happy and healthier people are the stronger economy is, and the story,
0: and the story. All right. Uh, I think that's pretty much that's what we got. Um, so yeah, that, that's that was that was great. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about how you would turn raining, rainy normal island into a into a shine. I was going to say shining, sit on the hill, but that's a Reagan thing, isn't it? Shining
1: yeah it's just a
0: just just getting back to being just getting back to being rainy and normal once again i think that's
1: yeah rain (laughs) rainy and normal once again oh um actually uh, i have a couple of little extra tidbits uh, here i just want to stick on um first uh, firstly we as the government of this island after i've taken over we are means testing data and broadband so if you come below a certain household income you don't pay for your data over the next 12 months um that allows your kids to access some sort of home learning whatever uh, bite size whatever mm. it takes the sort of fast out of um Going to BT and saying we can zero rate this website or whatever. And don't get me wrong, it's great that E and BT have zero rated this website, um, uh, bite size, whatever. But let's say you're doing your classes on Zoom, that's no help. Yeah. You're doing classes on Teams, that's no help. You're doing your classes on Google Hangout, that's no help. Um, also, a lot of educational videos are on YouTube, most kids. Yes. Or watch youtube so let's take that and let's take that all out the equation we pay for people to access the internet or 4g below a certain level you should use the same means testing that you have free school meals if you qualify for a free school meal you qualify for free data and in one fell swoop you have sorted um your sorted basically pretty much the questions facing most parents of how do we manage to get our kids to learn, and you've done a huge bit of leveling up there, um, because if you're in a middle class house or whatever, um, your kids are already fine—not not fine, but your kids can access the Zoom schools or whatever. Um, so let's say below twenty-two k or something, it's just done. Um, you log into government website or whatever, or, or we just um, use data, demographic. It's, it's easy enough to do this, right? Like if the home office can exist, this can do, this can be done. Oh yeah. Um, and that's how we solve the education crisis, and I think that has we done. Great.
0: thanks so much for listening now before we go uh william he works in journalism and one of the things that he really wants to do is give some shout outs to people who've been working in his field and um, people across the media he performed really well because you know we did a fair amount of criticizing uh various people who are involved in well everything that's happening right now uh, so i think it's really worth him talking through people that he thinks has got it really right and people who are interesting and worth speaking to and reading um so i'm going to let him go in his own words, um, and these are, I guess, these are, are. he's he now runs the palace. These are his knighthoods, damehoods, uh, OBEs, whatever. But they're people that I think are really interesting, and you should, you know, if you if you if you're interested in any of them, you should absolutely read their stuff, uh, look at their broadcasts, and get involved.
1: Yeah. Okay, so here are some people who are getting a various number of awards and I'll explain why briefly. First of all, we're making Christina Pagel um, whatever the fuck she wants. She can be OBE, she can be CBE, she can be Baroness, she can be KCMG, which is something I see lots of war people get. But um, we're giving Christina Pagel a fucking award after this. We're doing the same for Prof Debbie Sirihar. Professor Sarah Gilbert gets one. Um, Witty gets one, Van Tam gets one, Stephen Powis gets one, um, we're also going to give, um, honours to the following journalists, Nadine White of HuffPost, um, Fergus Walsh, Deborah Cohen, Hugh Pym, um, Rihanna Croxford, um, and who else from the BBC? Because I know it should be... Oh, yes, some fantastic producers. Um, George Cohn gets an award. So does Dino Sophos. Um, also getting an award from this um, will be Ryan Stora of The Guardian. Really a nice, shiny award. And who else? Because I'm absolutely sure Chris Epo- Oh, yes, Prof. Gabriel Scali. Um, we can make a sir. We can also give a Sir Award or a Knighthood, I should say, to Sam Bowman of the Anne Fifth Institute. Why? Because he has so consistently um, argued so effectively in, uh, in favour of a public health approach. Um, after that, I've got a long list, um, so apologies to anybody that I miss. <laughs> um, but, oh, I'd like to give Asper Day of the Huff Post a Dame Hood. I'd also like to give Jess Bram of the Huff Post a Dame Hood. I don't know if Dame Hood is even a thing, but there you go, you've got it on my island. We're giving one to Penny Andrews, who has just been the most consistent speaker of the stay-the-fuck-at-home-whatever-happens message. Um, and everybody who's done that, frankly deserves an award. So we can make her a Dame. And... Last but never least, uh, never least, I should say, um, I'd like to give my family um, a damehood, and then also everybody at Star Sports can get either a knighthood or a damehood of their choice, with a special shout out to David Stewart, who has, for the last year and a half, um, dealt with all of the nonsense that I have Oh, and the posthumous one, unfortunately, from an internet friend who we all lost. Um, but Nikki Fox sadly passed away from cancer. I think it was a month or so ago. Um, I-, I should just say, I should shed literally no political ideology with her. I think we always disagreed on stuff, but she always did it with sort of class and a sort of wonderful Heart, you know, um, Twitter is the place I love, but it's not necessarily a place where I think people always get along or disagree well. Mm. And she absolutely um, disagreed well with everybody and made her arguments really passionately, but, but never in a way that you thought um, disenfranchised anybody. and. Lord, I know I'm not the only person who missed mm. her. Uh, and the sad thing it is I guess I never even met her, but um, definitely, you know, she was a wonderful person and, and is much missed. I, and last never least a couple, uh, a, a couple more, um, just because I think it's worth, worth noting, but um, I'd like to make Soph warns today. dang. Soph does a letter. Um, a newsletter called Fair Warning. It is absolutely tremendous. Um, It covers coronavirus and non-coronavirus stuff really well. Mm -hmm. She can get one. We're knighting Jonathan Burr murdoch We are knighting also for services to education, Lewis Goodall and Sam Freeman. We are knighting for services to data, Tom Forth. We are knighting for services to journalism during the pandemic. Um, Pippa Carrera who's a dame, sorry not a knight because she's a woman, not a man, and we're also knighting for services to information during the pandemic touring Willkids, and giving damehoods to mariana spring jasmine samurai and last but never ever ever least services to construction we're knighting kate mcgee and to every single person who hasn't been in this list i don't hate you it's just that we already had to re-record to do this, and I'm <laughs> pissed off yeah. by this point.
0: It's um, it's actually worth mentioning though that uh, William might not hate you, but but I do. So, <laughs> 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 um, but I honour all the people on your list and all the people on your island. Uh, William, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: There you go. That was Desert Island Dictator with the incredibly interesting William Kajani. Um, tune in next week for a comedian, Vittorio Angeloni, who is I would say one of the most talented new acts I've ever seen. But also, hopefully he won't listen to this because um, I don't want him to know that that's what people think about it. You know, like, let's let's you got to keep people down, that's what I think. Um, please do tune in. Uh, and if you like the episodes, once again, if you didn't like it, by the way, just don't tell me. I don't give a shit. Like, I am living in a, a small flat, I can only go out once a day. My my health simply cannot take the criticism of strangers uh what will probably happen right is it's not that like I'll, I'll respond in a funny way or anything weird like that what i will do is just remember your name and stew on it for, for potentially generations um but if you did enjoy it please do tell me because oh my god i need it i need it so bad um thank you so much for listening Please do like us, please do follow us, please do share. Uh, If you want to support us financially, uh, you can donate to our Patreon. You can either sign up to a monthly donation, which I think starts at about £3 a month, the price of a posh coffee, or you can just give one-offs, I believe. So uh, please do sign up and there will be bonus content for people who do uh, we are joining clubhouse which is and doing discussions about uh, your you know your own island um which you can all join in on which will be really nice really nice to hear hear the listeners uh, otherwise thanks so much um see you next week